Hey, Joel. How's it going? Hey, Colin. Yeah, going great. Um, I am stateside. So uh, I've been traveling around kind of New York, Massachusetts. Um, pronounce that terribly. Uh, Rhode Island. Um, currently uh, on the way back to Boston Airport, where we're flying out of to go back to London. So you, you came mostly you were in New York, though, right? Yeah, mostly. So, um, yeah, ma- mainly mainly in New York, uh, New York City, which has been pretty cool. Uh, my first time currently at the beach um, and uh, calling from a car. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been tricky. It's been a lot trickier than I thought to find places where there is a stable Internet connection and it's quiet enough for me to do a podcast um which is why uh it's entirely my fault we completely mes- missed um our usual weekly date when we put the podcast out but um hopefully it won't happen again yeah it's all right i mean if anybody understands that it's difficult to find places to do this when you are in weird places it it's me yeah um yep. although i like the idea that maybe our show for at least a couple of uh a few weeks is the one where one of them is always in a weird location right um i think that's kind of funny so have you tell me about this trip what have you seen what have you done like this is your only you've been to the united states like once before i think you told me or like yeah what's it been yeah so i've only been to the united states once before and it was for a rails conf uh and that was in pittsburgh so I was there for like three days. I, other than that, I don't think I've ever been here before. Um, so this has been very different. This has been uh, like, like, I think something like 10 days. Uh, we've got a car, so we've been driving around. We've seen, uh, let's see, we've been to New Hampshire. We've been to Massachusetts, uh, New York, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Uh, and we're, we're back in Massachusetts in um, near Cape Cod at the moment. Uh, kind of on our way back to Boston. That's cool. Uh, any any highlights? Any any favorite spots? Ah, uh, oh, so many. I mean, um, yeah, it's like it's just so different. Um, the culture is so different. Uh, one of the things I noticed immediately after kind of like getting out of the airport of Boston and and kind of like you just kind of notice that a it's a lot brighter and seems happier here. Um, and the people seem happier. I don't know if that's just like an outward visage, but um, people seem really happy here. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm it's trying to freedom, remember. Joel. It's the, yeah, it's probably the freedom. There's, we've been like all over the place and, you know, seen some amazing things. Um, I don't know what my highlights are. Uh, I really enjoyed checking out um the location like the set to one of my favorite tv shows mr robot um so we went to um to coney island and we actually found the building where they filmed uh you know the uh i don't know if you've seen mr robot that but there's this building where they do the hack from and it says outside it says f society because it used to be fun society but the the u and the n fell off the building uh anyway and it's like this old um kind of like closed down arcade uh and we actually so we found the building and actually i thought like 
the building would just be completely different and there would be some different set that was this old arcade but it's actually the it was the set um and the manager let us in like showed us around told us loads of stories about you know working with rami malik and christian slater and um yeah it was just it was a really cool experience unfortunately the um the coney island like coney island itself was closed the day we went it was opening literally the very next day which kind of sucked so i didn't get to go on any of the rides but um, i've never been to coney island i've been to new york i've been in the east coast a little yeah. bit the the funniest part of this story for me is that you're like people in boston were just seemed happier because like <laughs> i do not feel like that is the stereotype of people from boston but no. um maybe it's because it was friday as well when we arrived <laughs> that's true <laughs> Um, Friday evening. I also don't know what people are like in England. So um, it's, you know, it's a comparison thing. I I really like Massachusetts. Um, I also also like Pittsburgh because you you said you were there before. And my feeling is that P cities in the United States. Yeah, Hmm. I think P cities, Portland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. I think they all, uh, they're all underrated. I think P cities are the way to go. Um, But uh, I think that's all very cool. It's very exciting. Driving here has been an experience so yeah like i it's not just driving on the wrong side of the road that that's weird everything is quite different but also somewhat the same so like um driving an automatic is also really weird to me um i was not able to rent like a manual transmission car so i've been driving this automatic and it's so weird i just can't get the hang of it um but yeah, like the roads are so big and yet the speed limits are so confusing. They're like, and hard, hard to spot because like, like in the UK, you can spot the speed limits because they all have this really distinct round sign with the red ring around the outside. And then here, like all the signs are the same. Uh, it's just like all caps, black text on a white background. Um but yeah, it's it's kind of strange. I guess maybe because it's so remote, like it's difficult to get to places. I don't know. Th- th- things are just a bit like I don't know, confusing. I can't believe that you can fly to a different country where they drive on the opposite side of the road and be like, yeah. "I'd like to rent a car," and they're like, "Sure." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Yeah, it's it's not that crazy i i did get to a a red light once and i was like i think you can turn right in the u in in the u.s on a red but i don't know correct i was like a bit concerned um and i made sure i looked it up immediately afterwards but like i was like i'm just gonna be sat here and people behind me are gonna be getting so angry because i'm not turning right on the red um but i also don't know for sure if i can um yeah I looked it up, and apparently you can. So yeah, uh, yeah, you can definitely turn right on a red. Um, I think it's it's probably our main cultural advantage. Yeah, uh, but I'm I'm well. I'm glad you didn't die in a car accident because yeah. uh, then I wouldn't have anybody to record the podcast with, and I'd be very sad for me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's been it's been great that I I really enjoyed being here and having a car and being able to just move around all over the place. Um, I feel like I've seen America a lot like better than I did when I was just in one city kind of tra- walking around on foot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, cause you're going to see a lot more kind of weird stuff, like just stopping in places, right? Like it's not as centralized. That all, 
That, yeah. that makes sense to me. Um, we need to get you to the West Coast for sure, so you can compare. Yes. I think you can skip over most in, most of the things in the middle, um, but I think you should come to the West Coast. I'm going to come out there in the winter sometime, I think, and try and do some skiing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. we have great skiing in Oregon. We have, uh, you should look at Mount Hood. Um, apparently, it's a, it's, a, it's a big skiing thing. Uh, and obviously, there's lots of other places, but we have very tall mountains on this part of the yeah, country. Yeah, exactly. As I yeah. mentioned before on the show. We should get into some Ruby-related things. Yeah. So, speaking of things other than travel, uh, I I can't stop switching editors. I think it's it's become a real problem for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I know you're pretty married to Zed. I feel like Zed is like your heart editor, right? It 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 seems like it really speaks to you. Yeah. It it is now. For I had a period of time between, like basically giving so i held on to atom for as long as i could uh but Mm -hmm. after a while of it just not getting any updates at all i realized i had to switch and i had a period of time where i was switching between like sublime text TextMate, uh vs code and then i tried nova when when the new version of nova came out and i quite liked that and then i would like switch back to atom and be like atom's still the best but it's also kind of slow compared to these other things. Uh, and I couldn't find one I was happy with. But I have I have now settled on Zed, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, yeah, I've used all of those editors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that I've kind of been jumping between are uh, Nova, which is by Panic. And you mentioned it. The reason I like Nova is because it feels the most Mac-like to me, which right. is something I appreciate. But also that... I don't know. Mac like to me isn't just like it's not just aesthetic. It's also kind of the way it works. Like for example, uh, if I want to set up like a build system, it doesn't mm-hmm. send me to like some JSON file. Or if I want to edit my preferences, I don't get sent to editing JSON. It has a proper Mac, uh, you know, UI for doing those things, which is kind of right. what I think of as like the Mac like way to do it. You have a UI, and that's good. Um, the issues I've had with Nova have been that the quality of the extensions are pretty hit or miss. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, cause it's a smaller, uh, ecosystem, right? Cause it's, it's a, it's a smaller, uh, group of people who use Nova, I think. And so a lot of times, like, you know, maybe there's like a couple of extensions for doing something with Ruby and like, neither of them really works that well and they haven't been updated in several months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's an issue for me. And then I looked at Zed. Zed seems cool. It has a lot of the same benefits as Nova to me of that. It's kind of fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the UI is very fluid. It's not as native feeling to me as Nova, but, you know, more akin to something like sublime text or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like it, but it also doesn't have all the features I want. I really wanted something with a debugger in it, like a debugging UI. Right. Uh, that led me to RubyMine, which is like a full IDE. And I like that. Um, I think you can be very productive in a heavier sort of system like that. The nice mm-hmm. thing about something like RubyMine is things like auto-completion and other code intelligence kind of tools just, like, work out of the box. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to do anything to set them up. And that, uh, you know, it's got a debugger built in that works out of the box. Um, 
and I've been using Ruby Mine, but it, um, you know, it's like this Java app. It's very big and heavy. I don't think that the, I don't, not, it's not an aesthetic problem for me with the UI. I mean, it's not like an attractive app to look at, mm-hmm. but I think that the issue I have with Ruby Mine, um, design-wise is more that their information hierarchy is what I would describe as batshit. Like, it does oh, not yeah. make sense to me. Yeah. Like, there's a certain way if you've used a lot of apps that you think like, okay, I kind of know how things are laid out in a Mac app that like this is probably where it would be. And that is not how RubyMine is just its own thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably consistent with other like IntelliJ editors, Right, but it's not consistent with, you know, being a native Mac app or or something like that. I find it's incredibly difficult if you're like, oh, I want to change this preference. Like I tried re- using RubyMine on on my uh, on some of my open source projects, and in all of my open source projects, I use tabs instead of spaces because I think it's better for accessibility. Correct. And I was like, okay, well, RubyMine will obviously respect the editor config. It didn't. So I was like, I wonder if there's a way to change RubyMine to use hard tabs instead of spaces. And I spent like 10 minutes searching through the preferences to try to find that option. Couldn't find it. Gave up. Like, yeah. just couldn't find it. I still yeah, to this day don't know how to do it. There's definitely a way, but I would agree that in particular in RubyMine, the, the way the settings are laid out is just like, it's got like project settings and global settings and they're kind of mixed together in a weird way sometimes. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's very, it's very confusing in that way. And they, you know, they have a new UI they're coming out with, but it's very like skin deep. It doesn't really address any of those problems. Um, Right. Like information architecture problems. It's more like a visual skin, but not actually changing where things appear in the, in the interface. Yeah, so I would say the way I would think of it kind of is everything that Nova is great at as far as like being a app with a really good information architecture and like having things where you might expect them and having good UIs for things. Yeah. uh, RubyMine is terrible at and sort of vice versa a little bit because all the like code intelligence stuff just works out of the box. You don't even need extensions in RubyMine. Right. Which Nova does not have that advantage. Uh, And so... You know, if you could put them together somehow, uh, yeah. that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, like RubyMine has really great code, like intelligence support and stuff like that. Like, I think they have kind of essentially Solograph built in, but I don't think it is Solograph. I'm not sure exactly how they do it, but they seem to do it even better than uh, like existing tools. Yeah, it's like way better than Solograph. They um, must have their own language server for Ruby somehow. Um, that is the best one right now, and it's only available th- within RubyMine. Like they haven't made it so that you can use the same language server in Zed or, or anything else. Yeah, I don't even think it actually is a language server because uh, IntelliJ's code intelligence tools predate language servers, like the protocol. Right. So yep. it's kind of just their own thing. But yeah, it's a lot more powerful than what you get with SolarGraph or any of the. Uh, other options and you can you can get SolarGraph to work better if you like configure it correctly but it's it's never as good as what RubyMine has i don't think it sure. will be but it can it can be pretty close um 
so then the last one on the list uh, is 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 one that I think you've actually unintentionally pushed me towards, which is uh, Visual Studio Code, which is <laughs> right. not an app. Yeah, not an app that sparks a lot of joy for me. I, I, I don't really love anything about it. I don't hate it necessarily. It's just kind of there, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had told me because I had mentioned to you that I had been uh, using ChatGPT for like kind of uh, you know sort of as a pair programmer <laughs> to be like I'll paste in some code and I'll be like, hey, did I do this right? And it'll be like, yeah, blah blah blah, and it'll like give me information about it. Or um, I can be like, you know, given if I had these models and I was doing this, mm-hmm. what is the thing that I am trying to, you know, like, I know what I want to do, but I may not know the exact uh, mechanism for it. And yeah. I will ask and it will usually give a pretty good answer. And you had uh, told me that if you get on the beta of uh, VS Code and their like insiders thing for uh, Copilot, mm-hmm. that now they basically have that built in to the editor. which I did get, and I'm trying. And I think it's probably going to keep me in VS Code at least until that is available in other editors. Because Copilot is available in other editors. And, uh, but this, I think, you know, the like beta features are not, right? Right, yeah. I expect that basically once they've like beta tested these extra features for for copilot they will want to have them available in all of the other editors that support copilot so i expect that will change soonish uh i've actually not used these features but i can imagine they're incredibly powerful like being able to just select some code and then write a question about it or some i think is the kind of thing that you can do now in vs code um Mm -hmm. that sounds like a really great way to integrate AI. An example of that is you can uh, select your code or you can just have code in an open an editor and mm-hmm. then say, write tests for this and mm-hmm. it will examine all of the code paths or whatever that could happen in based on, you know, your code and then give you tests for it, which is kind yeah, of Yeah, that's neat. great. Yeah, you can kind of coax copilot into doing that for you like if you begin to write a test for something or you name a test um like you can say specify and then type the name of the test and and it does a pretty good job of auto completing Mm -hmm. the implementation of that test especially if you have i've noticed if you have a tab open where the code that you're testing is then i think copilot kind of prop like includes that buffer in the prompt somehow um and they do a pretty good job of that but i can imagine it's even better with uh like this direct like chat interface uh in in vs code i think that's a really interesting reason to to want to use vs code over over other things at least for now um i would say like the reason i'm happy with zed is it does have pretty decent ruby support in that like they have first party support for solograph like built into the editor and it does just work really really well um they also have copilot uh which is great although it is just the basic like standard copilot autocomplete at the moment um and i know that they're really interested in pushing the editor further in terms of like language server support and um 
like AI and Copilot, that kind of thing. So, for example, I imagine they're going to be pretty early to adopt this new Copilot interface. I also know that if someone else comes out with, or I'm pretty confident that if someone else comes out with a better Ruby language server, like for example,、um, I know Shopify is working on Ruby LSP. I expect、mm-hmm. that once Ruby LSP is better than Solograph,、uh, that Zed will switch to using that as their default Ruby thing, or yeah, they'll give you an integrate or the, something. Give you an option, maybe integrate the two of them. Like I know right now, Ruby LSP、mm-hmm. doesn't support、um, like IntelliSense kind of autocomplete anything like that because it doesn't、uh, it doesn't do any kind of type inference. I think, but、um, yeah, I think for for me that's like. That combined with the fact that this editor is just so clean in terms of its interface doesn't really get in the way, and so fast,、uh, like it's just it's great for me. the The other thing I use in in Zed,、uh, which I haven't really ever configured in anything else, I wonder if you could get it working in other things, is I've configured Zed so that when I save a file, it will run the Rubicop auto auto corrects on that file and save those. Uh, which I think is pretty neat. If you're using、um, Rubicop kind of as a formatter, it's really、mm-hmm. nice that you kind of get that immediate feedback from from Rubicop rather than having to wait until you've like maybe you've committed a change and you push it up to GitHub, and then the CI comes back and says, "Hey, there's a problem. You have you've you know you've broken this Rubicop rule or whatever."、Um, that's like a really Like unpleasant experience, as opposed to,、uh, like, you, I just save the file and it automatically formats it the way that is compliant. Yeah, I think I think you can usually get that working in most editors, but it depends a lot on like the extension and the support、yeah. and like whatever.、Um, yeah, it's funny because I'm actually sort of in my heart conflicted about the AI tools, like.、Mm-hmm. Makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable to be to use them at all because I'm like,、uh, it's not that it feels like cheating. It's just like、um, I don't know. It's you know things are changing very quickly, and who knows、mm-hmm. where it'll be in a couple more years. At the same time,、uh, me feeling uncomfortable with it doesn't change the fact that it, I think, will continue to be a thing that exists,、mm-hmm. and because of that, it feels like the sort of thing. That if I don't adopt it, it's like a new technology, and、yeah. I think the history of people who did not get on the new technology and take advantage of it when it was available,、uh, thing it it has not been good for those people who chose to ignore、yeah. it. Not just、and、when、I、it's think- available, but when it's good, like it's already really good.、Um, it you know、right. it makes mistakes. It can it can like make up APIs. I found it it can do that, but.、Um, You know, if you're writing tests, and you're, you know, or or even just manually testing your stuff, like you're going to make sure that those APIs actually work.、Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's not. I don't know. I I I can I can see why people could be concerned that you know you, it could introduce a bug or whatever. But I don't think that it's like significantly more likely to introduce a bug than a human, especially when it's monitored by a human. You know. Um, no, I write bugs all the time, so I mean, yeah, exactly. Seems... <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and like I don't know the the bits of Copilot that I've used, 
it's just so good. And I just always read what it writes very carefully as if I had written it myself. Um, like, I, I, sh I sent you a screenshot the other day of how I use it to, like, do refactoring. So, like, you have one way of doing things. Uh, like, you might be, um, I don't know, you're assigning assigning a bunch of variables to a hash or something, uh, and you want to uh, change it so instead of, like, that you're going to pass them to an argument or, or something like that. You can kind of like copy and paste the old way of doing it and then comment that out and start writing it the new way. And it's just so good at being like, oh, you're, I can see that you're trying to refactor these lines into these lines where it's a slightly different interface. Let me do that for you. And every single line, it can just predict basically perfectly well. Like I've had like 99% accuracy on, on, that kind of refactoring. Yeah, when it works, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 No, I, I feel like it is a thing which is, it's pretty good. It's going to continue to get better. And if I tried to ignore it, then in a couple of years, I'm going to be, you know, I don't know if competing is the right word, but, you know, they're, uh, new programmers are coming out every day, right? And right. if they're all using this thing that helps them and I'm not, like... I don't know. I feels like I should be using every tool at my disposal. Right. And yeah. the way I'm interested when you do uh, try the chat interface, what you think, because that's actually the thing that I use more. Oh, okay. Uh, then, uh, yeah, then like the co-pilot suggestions in the editor. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the reason I use it more is because a lot of times what it helps me do is I am like, I I know what I want to do, but I'm not exactly mm -hmm. sure what the best way to do it or like, you know, to figure that out. Yeah. And being able to sort of have a conversation with something and get that answer is very useful for me. I'm going to have to try that out. That sounds great. I kind of used like ChatGPT directly for that. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think it would be awesome to have that built into the editor. I'm really interested in how far GitHub can push Copilot in terms of having a chat that knows the language and the frameworks that you're working with as well. Like, I don't know how much of this they're doing, but um, they could definitely prompt GPT, because I know they're using GPT 3.5 or 4 behind the scenes for this stuff. Um, like... That was trained at a certain date and it knows, you know, it knows, I don't know, Ruby up to 2.7 maybe or maybe 3.0. Um, mm -hmm. But how does it know the latest Ruby API? It probably doesn't. Um, how does it know, you know, the latest Rails API for the beta version that you're testing that was released a couple of weeks ago? You know, it almost definitely doesn't. Um, but what GitHub can do uh, with Copilot, I think, is they can help, like, they they get to design the prompts that go out to GPT. So um, I think that they can do things like, um, like find relevant API documentation to pre-prompt it with, or like use the LSP to figure out what kind of object you're working with, and then send the relevant API documentation for that object so that Copilot has even more context to be able to give accurate answers. It doesn't end up like having to guess the API for something because, you know, it's just been sent the API documentation for that object that your LSP said 
you were using, if that makes sense. I think there's loads they can do in terms of that. Or like scan your gem file, figure out what gems you're using, and then um, find uh, on like RubyDoc all of the gem documentation for those gems and include that uh, in the, the um, what is it they call it? Um, is it bindings? I can't remember what, what they call it now, but basically where you have a database of, of local information that is indexed by GPT. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can search a vector database to find the relevant um, the relevant information, and you can include that with the prompts to GPT, so that it's got that kind of like relevant context. Um, I just think there's so much more that GitHub could do around around that without even GPT getting better, right? Just with the existing technology uh, and the existing like training sets. It can they can make it better just by improving the prompts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually yeah I was also uh, thinking about that earlier today. You know, because when you talk to ChatGPT, it will say like yeah, you know, as of twenty twenty one, whatever. When I was trained, right. Um, so I was also thinking about like what they could do, and that that all makes a lot of sense. What you said, I think there probably is a lot they can do. The, um, the word I was so- looking for is embeddings, mm. and and that's where you can. You can just like pre-index this database of information, uh, and you get the OpenAI vectors for the information. Then you can query it using a vector, uh, and and then it will give you the information to prompt, uh, to prompt the ne- like the the AI uh, the GPT four question um, with, if that makes sense. So so you're asking this bot that was trained a couple of years ago. Um, you're saying, hey, can you answer this question? But also, here's some relevant information that might help you answer it, right? And and it's able mm-hmm. to just do that on the fly. I think I think that's basically, that's the way that we can kind of advance this technology. Uh, and, and definitely, like, being able to hook in and use the language server that's already there um, and index the, the stuff that's already there is, is, is the way to go for that. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Alternatively, it uh, it's it's made me think I need to I need to get into management or something the next couple of years before this uh, before before this replaces <laughs> all of us. Um, yeah, but um, so yeah, so for now I'm using VS Code. I yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's um, it's scary to think that this is early days. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's scary to think that this is the like iPhone zero version of this this is like the the simplest babyest version it's ever gonna be like yeah. it's a little scary yeah. to think of like what will this look like in like you know a year or five years or 10 years it's i think it's going to change things a lot i don't think i think we're pretty far from you know uh not needing programmers but mm-hmm. i think that being a programmer without using this stuff is going to be difficult over time. I think it's going to become a pretty essential tool. Definitely. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, we had some other stuff about service objects, domain, op- etc. Um, do you want to talk about that or do you want to save it? We could, uh, for the next episode and just keep this one short. Um, let's keep this one short. Let's wrap up here. I think keeping it short this time, cause you're recording from a car at a beach and you should probably be enjoying the beach. Ideally, uh, is a good idea. So uh, let's just wrap up. Um, 
if uh, you know if you like the show, as always, please tell your friends, subscribe, all of that. Uh, and otherwise, we will see you next week.